is taken from Luke chapter 8, and it begins at verse 26, and in the Church Bibles that can be found on page uh, 1037, Luke 8, beginning at verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what's your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jonathan, and good evening, everyone. My name's Andy Roughheads. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. Let's pray as we come to reflect on God's words together now. Father God, some of us have known you a long time, some just a short while, and others of us perhaps don't know you yet. We ask, would you come and speak to us now? Would you come by your Holy Spirit and help us to understand and apply uh, this passage from the Scriptures to our lives today? I pray, Lord. Uh, Would you send your spirit and, Lord, uh, yeah, we entrust this time to you, Lord, anything that I say that isn't of you, would it fall away? Uh, And what you are really seeking to speak to each one of us, would that hold firm um, and go deep into our hearts this evening? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, as Eleanor said, we're picking back up. Uh, Luke's Gospel, if you can remember, uh, in the, back in the mists of time, three Sundays ago, 
Uh, we were last in Luke's gospel, and since then we've, we've had uh, Pentecost was last week, and the weekend before that we had our wonderful firm foundations, weekend with baptisms. Um, so three Sundays ago, Paul Harcourt from New Wine was preaching on the passage which comes straight before this one, which is the calming of the storm, where Jesus is in the boat with his disciples, this massive storm comes up, uh, the boat's sinking, and Jesus stills the storm with a word. And we're in a section in Luke's gospel now where there's this sense of the a kind of escalating understanding of Jesus' power and authority. Uh, we've seen him just now sort of demonstrate his power over natural evil, over this, this huge storm. Uh, in our passage tonight, we see Jesus' authority over spiritual evil. Uh, um, with the demons um, who have afflicted this man. Um, and next, if, you, if we keep going, uh, we see that uh, Jesus goes back across the lake and there's his authority and power over a kind of physical evil, his power over disease and death. Uh, but here, as we've just heard read, Jesus meets someone who's in a really low, painful, hopeless place. Uh, this, this poor man, he's naked, uh, he, he's shunned by society, he has to live in the tombs outside of town where no one goes. Uh, he's fearful, he's been the victim of imprisonment and violence. Um, and however much of this may in part have been due to human uh, injustice, we're also told actually that ultimately the, this is the result of demonic activity. But this is the story in which this man meets Jesus and is set free and healed. So tonight what we're going to be looking at is what Christians call spiritual warfare. Um, and just a few things to say by the way of introduction before we uh, get into the passage and draw out a few um, things for us today looking at Jesus I want to start with a quote by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a Christian writer and thinker, and he wrote uh, this wonderful book on this whole subject of spiritual warfare. You might be familiar with it. It's called The Screwtape Letters. Um, and the, the, it's, it's a work of fiction. The, the idea Lewis takes is he kind of turns things around, and he, he imagines what things might look like from, kind of from the demon's perspective. And so this book is the fictional correspondence between a senior and a junior devil. Um, and so Screwtape, this senior devil, you know, deep in the, this banal bureaucracy of hell, is giving his nephew Wormwood some tips. And in the introduction to this book, Lewis writes this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which we can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. As Christians, we know that there is a spiritual realm. Um, the world we live in has a material realm that which we can see and touch, um, as well as a spiritual one which has angels and demons. But also at the same time, as Christians, we know that God is sovereign. We know that Jesus has defeated the power of the devil 
um, and evil, the powers of darkness. And I wonder, it's probably worth us just each taking just a moment now just to recognize for you which of these two uh, errors you perhaps tend towards. Certainly in our culture, we definitely tend towards ignoring um, the, the existence of the devil. Um, and so perhaps you're in that place. But also we can get into a, into a place where actually we become quite frightened. Um, and both of, those, both of those places actually are not good for us to dwell in. I should also just mention, just, just to say, if, um, if any of us have been uh, or are involved in uh, what we might call occult practices, you know, where we're kind of leaning into uh, darkness and the demonic, that is something that Jesus calls us to uh, put down and walk away from. Um, so if that is you, please do, uh, please do come in and speak to one of the clergy, myself, Eleanor or Jonathan. We, we would love to chat with you and to pray uh, with you. Here's what the Bible has to say about spiritual warfare. Just a few verses uh, taken from elsewhere in the New Testament. Uh, one is the classic uh, verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And as Christians, as we are in this place of spiritual battle, um, it's kind of we have to hold the tension between, on the one hand, 1 Peter 5 verse 8, uh, where he says, be alert, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, since that the devil is dangerous. But we hold this intention with James chapter 4 verse 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yes, the devil is powerful, but also he's, well, ultimately he's powerless. He's dangerous, but he's powerless. Because Jesus has defeated him. Also, just to say by way of introduction that spiritual warfare is a normal part of what it means to follow Jesus, uh, the Christian life. Um, Listen to this baptism charge from uh, the baptism service, which we uh, said to each of those who got baptized just here two Sundays ago. And we, read that we said this all together as a congregation. We said, fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil, and remain faithful to Christ at the end of your life. So we take it seriously. Uh, this is a normal part of what it means to be a Christian. And also, the Lord's Prayer. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer later as we come to communion. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we engage in spiritual warfare. Uh, we pray the line, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And finally, by way of introduction, let's have our focus on Jesus. Always a good thing to do when we come to the Gospels, particularly when it's a, a heavy or a difficult or confusing passage, let's keep our focus on Jesus. Let's see what he's doing, what he's saying. Let's seek to follow him. So that's what we're going to do now um, in our passage tonight. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the power of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, and the proclamation 
of Jesus. Let's start with, and the power of Jesus. I've got a, a painting, we're going to just a piece of art to put up here, which uh, I found this week. Um, this is a 19th century uh, piece of art by um, British artist Britton Riviere, and it captures something powerfully of the, the drama uh, and the weightiness of what's going on. You can just see that the sheer number of, of all these pigs and uh, consequently the demons um, who have been cast out of this man. And also we can see it in him lying there, something of the, the precious humanity of this guy, which had been so degraded uh, by the demons and by society uh, for many years. And Jesus comes to set him free. So let's talk about Jesus' power. Um, this is the first time that Jesus is outnumbered. He's, he's met evil spirits before in the Gospels, but it's just been one-on-one. -on -one. Um, now he is up against an army. Um, the, the man's name that's given is Legion. Um, and this, uh, well, for, for the hearers at the time, this meant Roman armies. So Ro the Romans had this uh, very efficient and brutal uh, military uh, operation. They operated in legions. A legion contained 5,800 soldiers. So the sense here is that Jesus is up against um, an army. It's like one of those scenes in the action or superhero films, you know, where like, you know, hordes of henchmen burst into the room. You know, they've all, they're all training their guns at the hero. And you think, how, how are they going to get out of this one? They're completely um, overpowered. There's nowhere for them to go. And yet, for Jesus, he's outnumbered, but he is certainly not um, overpowered. Uh, in each of those films, the, the hero often has a, an ace up their sleeve. Um, and for Jesus, it is, he is the Son of God, and he has authority, no matter how many uh, demons are in front of him. And we see power on display here, two kinds of power, um, in fact, but the nature of the power that's wielded by Jesus and by the demons is actually very different. Let's have a look at it. The first kind is a destructive, a, a self-centered kind of power. Uh, this is the, the power the demons are showing and have. And the world so often focuses on this kind of power, so much so that as we look around, we can actually perhaps begin to forget that any other kind of power um, exists. It's the power to self-actualize, to take and shape the world and people, and maybe even our very identity and shape it into what we uh, desire to see. The name legion, which comes from Roman legions, and this, the Roman legions were synonymous with brutality and domination. Um, if the emperor sent a legion uh, to your area, um, well, that meant mass crucifixions, so executions, um, destruction of entire cities. This happens later on uh, in AD 70. Uh, the Romans come and completely destroy the city of Jerusalem. So if you go and visit now, very little of what, of what we find there is still standing because the Romans completely flattened it. And it wasn't just brutality upon their enemies, but upon themselves as well. 
you might have heard of the, the word decimation. Uh, this, this word comes from the Roman military practice when a, when a group of soldiers had uh, been disloyal, perhaps they deserted or disobeyed orders. The punishment was that um, one in every ten men would be randomly selected um, and they would be beaten to death by the other nine. You know, this is brutality, uh, both outside and inside, um, in the operation. And that's, so when the, when the demons give legion as their name, they're, they're claiming some of this. But ultimately, this kind of power is self-destructive. And, you know, we see this at an individual and societal level around us. So, you know, the demons had given this man the strength to break chains. So they, they chained him and, and bound him and guarded him, but they couldn't keep him uh, secure. He, he always broke away. Gave him this amazing strength, but, and yet he lived this life of horrible misery and loneliness and fear. Uh, and so the, the, uh, the demons uh, say, send us out into the pigs. Don't destroy us. Send us to the pigs. Um, here, so we pick, let's pick up on uh, in verse 32. There's a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. Uh, the sense we, just anything to survive. Um, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. I think there's a sense here that the, the demons think that they're going to be able to survive. They're going to be able to uh, be safe if only they can just be allowed to, to be in these pigs. But actually, it only hastens their demise. Um, Oftentimes we look at this, we think, why does Jesus do this? Why, did, why, why send the demons into the pigs and then, and then such a, you know, such a, I don't know, a waste or a um, uh, destruction that's wrought? But notice that Jesus doesn't actually start the stampede. He just says, you can go into those. He gives them permission. Um, and it's a result, I believe, of, of the demons' own actions, their own just the way, um, the way they exercise power in their being that leads to this destruction. So we've looked at that kind of power. Now let's look at Jesus' power, second kind of power. This is one that's restorative, that's protective, that heals. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's the kind of power that Jesus uh, operates in. True power exists for the good of others. God's power heals and restores. It never dominates. And Jesus' power here, let's, let's note, it's expressed not as a general or a soldier. He doesn't muscle up uh, to the man and the demons, but he's a healer. Later on, we, we see that this man is described as being cured. He'd been saved. He'd been healed. So we learn from this that true power is the ability to heal, not to dominate. The devil can only destroy, but God brings healing and life. And this is the kind of power that those of us who follow Jesus are called to live in. 
It's very countercultural, but it's the way of Jesus. Here at St. Paul's, we have a really exciting and a bold vision. We want to be part of uh, reaching um, everyone in our area over the next 10 years uh, by Easter 2033, 2000th anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus. We want everyone in our area to have had a meaningful opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus. But I want to suggest we are not going to achieve that by force, by forcefully just thinking, how can we, what's the, what's the most efficient or what's the, you know, what, how can we, what's the most economic way that we can seek to, to put the gospel out there and have so many respond? We're not going to get th- this through by pushing forcefully, but through loving sacrificially. Let's, let's remember each one of us, as we, as we live out, as we seek to, to witness to others and to be part of uh, God's healing power, let's, let's seek to embody the way of Jesus. So let's remember Jesus' power. Power in the name of Jesus against evil to protect and to restore. Secondly, let's look at the peace of Jesus. Let's pick up in verse 34. So immediately afterwards, this is the response. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. We see an amazing reversal in the life of this man. Before, he was desperately lonely. He was driven out by society. It says he, was, he roamed the wilderness and lived in the tombs where no one went. Now he's sitting at Jesus' feet. He's in one place. He's not wandering, and he's with others. Before he was naked and and lived in in the place of death amongst the tombs. Now he's dressed and he's with Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. Before he was consumed by fear and now it says he's in his right mind, at peace. No longer afraid to be in the presence of God. This is the restorative power of Jesus. And there's no one or no community or no context or no culture that's too far gone from the peace of Christ. That's what we believe. Um, And when we see this, that's what we believe. It's available to each one of us and to those around us today. Um, And when you're feeling a lack of peace and you Perhaps you might sense there might be something more, something spiritual that's behind that lack of peace. Remember that we can claim that peace in Jesus' name in prayer. I'll tell you a, a quick story. Um, I was, a number of years ago, I, I, before I went to train to get ordained, I used to work for a, a Christian ministry uh, which did kind of mission evangelism. Um, and we used to. Uh, go and help Christian unions, uh, support Christian unions uh, on university campuses, run mission weeks, run events weeks um, to reach out uh, on the campus. And there was one particular uh, mission week I went on, and I just, be- 
I just was feeling really discouraged. Um, there were, I was noticing there were things just seemed to be going wrong practically, relationally. Um, I had this real sudden sense of kind of imposter syndrome going around. Um, and I had a song stuck on repeat in my head. It's a Simon and Garfunkel song. I love Simon and Garfunkel. They have a song called Faking It. A song about just reflecting on how feels like I'm just pretending. And it kind of got halfway through the week, and I it just like suddenly realized, I think actually this is, this is more than just me. This is some kind of spiritual attack that's coming. And so I got prayer, um, brought it out into the open, received prayer, um, and got on uh, with the week. But I think there's a sense as we go about following Jesus that we begin to be able to, we can grow in, a, in being able to recognize kind of when the enemy is just seeking to, to disrupt things. And that's something I think it's good for us to, to seek, um, to grow in, and definitely let's receive prayer when we notice um, those things. Also just want to, to say, let's bring the cross in. Um, because Jesus entered the place of fear and death, didn't he, in order to bring us peace and life. Hear this from the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. You know, purging evil is costly. Think of all those pigs. But in order to bring the, the lasting peace for this man and for all of us on the whole world, that was costly too. In order to bring us peace, Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross. He shed his blood for you and for me. Jesus doesn't stand far off, but he surrendered himself to fear and nakedness and death when he went to the cross for us. So amidst spiritual warfare, let's remember Jesus' peace. And thirdly, the proclamation of Jesus. Here's how the passage ends, verse 37. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got in the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. This man actually gets a very rare commission to preach and testify from Jesus. Usually, Jesus swears uh, those who've been healed to secrecy. And perhaps there's something about the fact that he's in Gentile territory, um, that Jesus commissions this guy to go and tell what has happened. Go and share it with others. And just as with power, we see two different kinds of proclamation here about Jesus. Um, the first kind is, uh, which we see in the demons, is a kind of proclamation that comes from fear. The, the demons know who Jesus is, but they're filled with hatred and fear. You know, as soon as Jesus appears, this man runs up and names him. You know, 
he calls him Jesus, son of the most high God. The demons know who he is. Um, here's another verse from James. James 2.19 uh, says this. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Uh, the demons proclaim that Jesus is God and the Lord. And there's a sense, too, I don't know if some of this might be working in the locals. Interesting, they, they, they beg Jesus to leave them after all the, the, the mess, I suppose, physically, that he has, he has wrought amongst them, and they're just overcome with this fear about this guy. Send him away. Second kind of proclamation is that from experience. Um, we know who Jesus is, and so we have joy, not fear. And this man is commissioned to go and proclaim the good news about Jesus using his testimony. So when we, sh- when we seek to share about the good news with others, start with what God's done for you. Start there. That's what Jesus says. He doesn't, doesn't sit the man down and give him a, a detailed uh, catechesis or theology lesson, just says, go and tell them all that God has done for you. Might be worth just reflecting. How has God rescued or cured or healed or delivered you from, uh, from what the enemy has been seeking to do around you or in your culture? From temptation or discouragement or disruption. Let's seek to testify and go and tell others what God has done for us. That's all we need to do, nothing more. So, power, peace, and proclamation when we see Jesus in spiritual warfare. With Jesus, there is power, but not power for domination. It's power for peace and healing and protection. Uh, With Jesus, there's peace enables us to be content in the Lord's presence. And with Jesus, there's a call to proclaim, there's a call to share, not just to keep it for ourselves, but to encourage everyone else. Can I encourage, uh, just to to circle back to to C.S. Lewis, Screwtape Letters, if you haven't read that book and and perhaps you you want to, um, you'd like to, to read a bit more, to dig a little deeper into this, can I recommend... Um, you, you read that book, short book, um, and light and funny, but also really profound. And also, let's, let's pray, uh, because there's power in the name of Jesus. So, um, let's have a time to pray um, and to respond now. Um, perhaps the band might want to come up, and, and they'll lead us in a song in just a moment as we come to share Holy Communion together. Can I invite you to stand and uh, let's pray. Let's uh, just come before the Lord now. You might find it helpful just to, to stand in a posture with our, our hands in front of us, just open and ready to receive from the Lord. And so I pray, would you come, Holy Spirit? Come, Spirit of Jesus. Lord, we just acknowledge before you uh, whether we have been living 
in a, in a way where actually we have disbelieved um, in the devil and his influence. Or perhaps, Lord, we just acknowledge that we're in a place where actually we're, we're feeling fearful and we're feeling exposed and we're feeling um, under attack. Lord, would you come and minister to us now? Would you come and um, fill us with the power of Jesus for healing? Would you come and fill us with the peace of Jesus? Would you come and fill us with uh, a proclamation? Lord, to be witnesses for you. Lord, we, uh, we long to follow you. Thank you that where you are in your presence, uh, we can know uh, your, your wonderful power to protect, your peace that gives us joy and commission to be sent out. So would you come and uh, fill us and send us? We had a word as we uh, were gathering to pray for this service. The word was simply joy. And the Lord wants to release joy amongst us. Lord, would you come and uh, particularly if anyone here is, is feeling a lack of joy and peace, in the name of Jesus, would you, uh, would you come and fill us with joy? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship now. Uh, so let's sing, and then we'll come uh, to the Lord's table. Uh, Jesus invites us to come and to receive the bread uh, and the wine. So let's worship.